Hello everyone and welcome to our new episode on linguistic inquiry and word count. And this will make a little bit more sense as we go along, but this conversation is a response from your guys' journal writings, your journal writings that you did uh, last week over those four days. And so you'll get an email here in a little bit on all of your results. And when you review results, you'll also receive a handout uh, as well as this PowerPoint that I have uh, on Moodle as well. So be given a lot of resources as well as your results to be able to evaluate what your data is and what it's actually interpreting to what your journal entries were. So for those that uh, wrote four journal entries or essentially more than two, what's nice is you can actually see a comparison from your first journal writing to your second. And the whole goal of the linguistic oriented word count, but more importantly, what you did, which is called expressive writing or uh, emotional or, or written disclosure, uh, those are, are true interventions. And so by providing a prompt that was given to you about what was our goal, right? What was our purpose of writing? Well, it was really no big agenda but exploring your own emotions and thoughts and for you to essentially release any of the traumas or, or incidences in your past that you may not have yet let go or to have a different perspective. And if you guys remember weeks ago, we talked about like reversal theory. Well, for those that wrote about the same topic or the same trauma, you know, multiple days in a row, then the plan should have been where over those course of days, your perspective should have changed slightly as you're writing it, right? If you were authentic and very transparent about your emotions and thoughts, you should have gradually allowed your, your mind and your body to respond from that. And so to kind of get a different perspective as you wrote. So when you do think about what we were trying to do there, it was uh, no, no main, no big agenda. The basic prompt was to explore emotions and thoughts. And again, you'll see in your results that some of you through your writing were very authentic um, through your writing. And so again, the, the many different subjects, we're gonna go over all of those you know, through this podcast, through the PowerPoint, um, all of those things. So um, do check that out um, when you can. And um, you know, again, review your results through email. So you'll see all that. So. Uh, even though what you did was uh, written emotional disclosure or expressive writing, that is the intervention itself that you did in journal writing, well, to actually evaluate if your writing, your journal writing was useful, there is the qualitative side, which we're gonna get to uh, two weeks from now in an actual assignment, to the quantitative side and the quantitative aspect of it is actually the linguistic and Gorian word count. So it's called Luke. And Luke is a software application program that will actually analyze your journal entries. So as I promised you in class, uh, I actually did not read any of your actual journal entries. All I did was actually submit them by file to the actual application. So. For those that may have wanted me or, or hope that I did, um, I still have not yet read them. I'm not planning on. These are actually now deleted files um, in my trash on my computer. So 
Um, I don't have them. Um, of course, they're still on Moodle as a, an assignment, but I have no intent in reading them um, because those are journals. Those are your thoughts and, and beliefs and actions. And so I'm not planning on reading those in any time soon. So when it comes to what is Luke, what is the LIWC? This is an uh, application that essentially has two core features. It has um, essentially a processing component to actually process all of your writing, all of your grammar, your syntax, uh, and then aligning that with dictionaries. So there's multiple dictionaries uh, within that application program. And essentially once I open up your file, it's gonna compare word by word to that dictionaries that it has in that application. So that's what it's essentially doing. And when we look at what it's trying to do it's, as a process, really we're looking at two main things. We're looking at content and we're looking at style. Okay, and now it's kind of crazy to think about, right? You have to think back to communication. So when you're always thinking about, well, we always focus on content, but what we're really wanting to focus on is style. Now content words, where usually are nouns, regular verbs, many adjectives, adverbs, and those convey the content of what is the communication. So for example, it was a dark and stormy night, right? Well, we think about the content words, we're looking at dark, stormy, and night, right? Those are great descriptors that are telling me what's going on at that time, right? We know it's dark. Well, of course, we can assume since it's dark, either some form of weather is going on, right, since it's gonna be cloudy, but since it's literally dark, we know it's gonna be nighttime or early, early morning, right? We have that stormy kind of action, so we think if we were on a boat or near water, um, it, it might change a little bit, right? And since we know, of course, it's nighttime, right? It is nighttime, so now we know night, right? Now, intertwined with these content words are style words or function words, and so, do you know that style or function words are made up of pronouns, prepositions, articles, conjunctions, auxiliary verbs, you know, other few categories, but essentially I think it was a and and. So we think back to my example sentence of it was a dark and stormy night. We know the content words are dark, stormy, and night. But the style words was it was a and and. You know, so those style words really provide to us a lot of the context of what's going on. Now, crazy to think about, content versus style. There are over 100,000 English words in our vocabulary. Now, there are only 500 that are actually style words. Now, style words, though, make up of 55% of all the words that we actually speak, hear, and read. Pretty crazy to think about how that's done. Now, content and style words actually are process in the brain completely differently. Style words reflect how we are communicating, while content words convey what they're actually saying. Okay, let me repeat that. Style words reflect how people are communicating, while content words convey what they're actually saying. Now, this is why style words are much more closely linked to the measure of people's social and psychological worlds. So be thinking about all the style words that we talk about. So it was a and and those style words really provide insight into what is you know, our demeanor, our relationship, our views, our perspectives, what we're focused on. And so when we think about this computer system, it is gonna really be focusing on 
our style words, and that's how it's going to be getting our data. Now, social skills, when we think about our basic ability to have social skills, the ability to use style words requires basic social, social skills. Now, just an example to think about, you say, I will meet you here later. Well, it's funny to think that type of statement, right? Because grammatically, that statement is completely correct. You say, hey, I'll meet you here later. But the sentence itself, as a standalone sentence, is completely meaningless unless you know who is the I and who is you, or where is here, what is meant by later. To say the sentence implies that the speaker knows that the listener shares the same knowledge of these style words. For example, you know, I always tell my wife, um, you know, hey, I'll be home in about five minutes. She knows, when I say five minutes being later, she knows, hey, I'll be there in about an hour, right? Just knowing my time frame and for being with me for all these years, she knows what that means, right? And she'll text me and say, hey, well, you know, text me when you actually leave campus. Cause I always say, well, I'm on my way. Well, I still probably haven't even left my desk yet and am on my way out. So those types of social skills, actually being able to know the person and be able to do that um, is, is a basic social skill concept. Now, when you think about this attentional focus, another concept of, of what the Luke application is gonna be doing and giving you scores on is what are you focusing on and through your writing? And so there's gonna be different subjects or topics that it'll be either the past, the present, money, um, sexual intimacy, um, just beliefs, religion, things like that. And this attentional focus is gonna reveal a lot of information about your priorities, your intentions, and even your thoughts. So where it's reading between the lines is between the content and style words to see where your priorities and intentions are. Now, crazy to think about, for example, infants, right? So uh, Berlin, 1960, found that infants will actually focus on objects that display some form of novelty, complexity, and motion. It shows that the extent to which they are focused on learning. And I can't tell you how many times now, you know, my one and a half year old, she sees the remote, all these buttons, right? And she sees our phones. And you can see on her face, she sees this complexity and this novel item that she is so focused on. And when I take that away, she gets upset, of course. But really what I took away, not the object, but this desire to learn. She wanted this object to learn what it was and to see for what it is, right? Beyond just the normal touch play with it. But she wanted to explore and that's very much the same case about not just infants, but any individual, right? When we think about our attentional focus, we're looking at, hey, what is this displaying to us, this novel item or its complexity and that interest that, that so describes you? What is it that when a door opens up behind you, you have to turn around to see who it is? And it's just to learn and see who or what it is and that attention grasp us. So you think about our attention can easily turn or oscillate us from easily our external to our internal. So thinking about our sensations and what it is that we're looking at. So when we think about our attentional 
focus at the most superficial level our content words categories you know, explicitly reveal our are where we are focusing so are we thinking about death are we thinking about intimacy sex money friends we are going to refer to them within our writings and within our conversations now function words such as those personal pronouns reflect our attentional allocation so when you think about what personal pronouns are we going to be using it's going to change when we're talking about who we're experiencing or if you are experiencing that physical or emotional pain you're going to have that attention draw to them to yourself or you're going to use more of that first person singular pronoun so i me uh, mine we uh, all of that will reveal what it is your focus is on either yourself or on someone else and where that focus will be so you think about that attention it's going to reveal not just who someone is attending to but how they are processing that situation again if you rewrote about the experiences on um, teasing, you know, how you were teased or on the concept of teasing. Now, depending on what pronoun you used, it's gonna depend on either if you were being teased or you were the one teasing others. So that's gonna change just off the basics of a pronoun use. Now, those that use more of a first person singular or fewer third person uh, pronouns, so, third-person pronouns being he or she when describing an event, they were more being teased compared to what they were described on an event that were teasing someone else. So the focus in those first-person singular is actually being the one teased is actually the victim, which is really weird to think about. Now, we think about, again, that, that attentional focus. Pronouns and verb tense are extremely useful in our language, in our, in our elements, because it's gonna continue to identify focus. And when we think about what it is we're focusing on, very much when you're thinking about hearing and, and as you all sit down and share with each other your goals, it's gonna tell you, if you're really listening, where their priorities are, what are their intentions, and what are they processing. And that's, again, not just in our goal planning, but in life. What is it at this current time we are identifying and focusing on to be able to accomplish and be successful? Now, when it comes to evaluating those, a lot of care and intentions should be done in evaluating how our pronouns and verbs are used. Now, we, for example, when it comes to a group identity, just to, just to give you an idea of, of we, because we can be a collective we where we talk about a group identity. Think about being on your team and you know one of your teammates says, well, we believe in this in this culture. And then you hear another teammate talk about we or say we again. And, and that really brings about this collective unit of we. Uh, very similar to how couples talk about it, right? Um, if you're talking as a couple and you're evaluating your marriage, or your relationship to someone that is interviewing you guys, to a third person, the more that the couple uses the word we, it actually has a higher relationship with the connectedness and, and the success of their actual marriage or their relationship. But we could also be used as the royal we, which also means I. 
So sometimes even in class, I'll say, we need to do this, right? But what I could also mean by universal, we or the royal we could also mean you students rather than you students and I. So being aware of the use of we or these personal pronouns, we, us, and our, right? You have to think about how you're focusing on that descriptor word. So you hear someone say, well, we're doing this or us or our decision is this. Well, whenever you hear one of those three examples, you can always have a great follow-up question of, is that a belief? Is that something that you have uh, a combined uh, decision on in moving forward? Now, as we separate from, from attentional focus, and dive a little bit deeper, we're, we're looking at emotions. Now, when we, of course, think about emotions, but in our writing, you know, because you think about those that have challenges in expressing their emotions in the present moment, you know, out loud or, or visually in some way, some of us can describe how we are emotionally sad or upset or angry um, or happy or satisfied through writing and rather than just out loud. And so sometimes we're, we're better at writing that than we are um, visually out loud doing that. So we think about our emotions and how we express our emotions, the variance of how emotion can tell us people are experiencing the world. So just because someone may not seem happy in, in a public setting, they can easily write about that and show us how happy or satisfied they are. More importantly, how their, their emotion how they're experiencing this world in such a positive setting. Now, what's wonderful about emotions is that people react radically in so many different ways to trauma or to very important events, very much like what's going on now. As you can see, how many people, the, the mass population is reacting or responding to you know, the COVID virus, how people are reacting may say a lot about how they cope with the event and to the extent in which the event plays a role in the future. Right? For think about an amazing concept to be thinking about is how is this current event going on going to impact athletics, athletes, sports, and exercise in the future? You're going to see many individuals, you know, in the fall that are participating in fall sports talk about how uh, they could either blame this event and as an impact to their current fitness or exercise or their sport, whatever that may be. And you can see them be the blame, or you can see someone talk about how they persevered and they got them stronger and better and took more seriously that, you know, because something was taken away from them, they now understand and appreciate the value of participating. So there are so many different ways that we do cope and you'll be able to see through those words how one is reacting or coping with these events through that emotional response. Now, what I love about Luke and the application is that from a validity standpoint, it's a 100% accurate identifying an emotion through language. So when we think about positive emotion words like love, nice, sweet, you know, you're used in writing about that positive event. So for those that wrote about a positive event or even that negative emotion event, they're used in that writing, so even uh, those negative emotion words being like hurt or ugly or nasty or hateful, all of those ratings come in that positive and negative emotion area, and those correspond with those human ratings. So think about 
wear that and you're going to have two categories of that, either positive or negative emotion. And those are 100% accurate when it comes to what emotions you're describing. Now, what's crazy to think about too is the amount of or the, the reflection of those emotion words are used also to measure the degree of immersion. Now, immersion being how immersed are you within that event or that experience you know, overall. Now, one interesting study with Luke and expressive writing um, was Holmes in, 20, in 2007. They found that uh, women who were actually trying to cope with an intimate partner violence, so uh, female physical abuse to a, uh, a male physical abuse to a female, they use more positive and negative emotion words to describe the violence that led to increased feelings of physical pain over their four writing sessions. So as the females wrote about their experiences, they, through each journal writing, and they transitioned from actually positive emotion words because of what was going on and gradually transitioned to negative to open back up and open some of those wounds the females actually started to feel and relive the physical pain that they went through during that event. They became so immersed in reliving that same unfortunate situation that they began to relive some of the physical pain and ailments that they actually occurred during that situation. Now, when it comes to language and emotion, there are a lot of connections and so even though you might have your category or a box show a high you know, positive emotion or negative emotion, there are some other elements involved with that. And so sometimes emotions words that are correlated with articles or prepositions, there's some other relationships. So we can't always take the emotion words or that score at face value as we also wanna compare them to some other features that actually show our emotions and our cognitive thought are very complex with our thinking styles. And so it's not just, oh, I have this emotion and that's what I, I sat in. It's like, actually, no, emotion words that are correlated with pronoun use and auxiliary verbs and, and negotiation use, you know, there are a lot of correlations within that. So can just I say that to not take, oh, I was in a high negative emotion and I was sad. It's like, no, there's a more about this deeper expression of emotion and thinking styles and also social awareness so just because you had a low negative emotion or a high negative a high positive emotion uh, doesn't matter um, to take it face value or, or number but we also look at our comparing to other areas in those other boxes so what other areas that I love with Luke and the application from expressive writing is also talking about social relationships talks about status uh, dominance and social hierarchy. You know, thinking about uh, a if you describe some form of a story from a coach-athlete relationship, and you talked about how you know the coach was in some form of a male-female dominating role, and then you were just a an athlete, and you were below the captains, and then the captains were, of course, and then so you're looking at this social hierarchy system of you know athletic director, coach head coach, assistant coach, captains, to then you, you can easily define and see this hierarchical system you know, going along. You can also see some other areas like social coordination, group processes. We can also see 
know, honesty and deception. We can actually see some de deceptive statements compared to truthful ones because those are going to be more descriptive, distance from oneself, and more negative. There's been a lot of studies that have found participants who are lying when they use more negative emotion and more motion words like arrive, car, go, and actually had fewer exclusion words and less first person singular statements. So not just like what we talked about in our quiz on class about how can you tell if someone's lying by the physical response to their lower half. Remember their lower extremity is a, is a wonderful tool to assess if one is lying or not. But we can also look at how deceptive are they through the motion words that they're describing and, and actually excluding some language and then actually less ownership, less I statements. We can also see how close you were, how close of a relationship as you describe the teammate or friend, a parent, a coach. We can see that you know, actual proximity of relationship and an amazing relationship that you had through that. What I love also is seeing your thinking style was you, through your nouns, your verbs, your cognition, your conjunctions, all of those will actually see to a Myers-Briggs, to a big five thinking personality. But what I love the most is your individual differences. This gives a better glimpse on not just the language you use, but who you are as a person to really see your differences. So uh, in your email, you guys will get your guys' results. And within that email, you'll have um, a you know, one and a half page handout that will guide you on how to you know, score it and, and read and, and assess your scores. Now, the most important ones is gonna be your, your four, your top four, and that's gonna be analytical thinking, clout, authentic, and emotional tone. Now, these four specifically score on a zero to 100, and these are the only four compared to the others of frequency that actually produce a, an actual score rating. So these four are separate compared to the others, so just know that. Now, in description, so for your analytical thinking, for example, if you were higher in number, so being above 50, a higher number reflects more formal, logical, hierarchical thinking, while a lower number reflects more informal, personal, here and now, and narrative kind of thinking. So there's no bad or good in those numbers for analytical thinking. What you need to think about is how did you write your paper? What did you actually write about? Did you write about it in a very formal, logical way or was it a very informal type of writing? And for that's something you to confirm for yourself than anything. Now clout, now what's interesting about this is it's gonna show a little bit more insight of you as a person because if you have a higher number, that's gonna show that you as an author were speaking from a perspective of high expertise a lot of confidence. While someone that had low clout were a little bit more humble or tentative or even anxious within that subject. Now, authenticity, those higher numbers are associated with more honesty, personal disclosing text, while lower numbers are gonna be more guarded or distance from the actual discourse. Now, emotional tone, that higher number is more positive and upbeat style. Low number is gonna have greater anxiety, sadness, or hostility. Now, if you're in that middle range, right around that 50, it's gonna either be a lack of emotion or just complete ambivalence between the different emotions or, or state of mind that you're in 
to that experience. Now, for some of you that wrote all four days, you could easily see if you wrote about the same experience all four days, you could have probably an emotional tone that may have been pretty high in the beginning and then go down over those next two days because if you dove in deeper to the subject, you might become around that 50 range. And then of course, as you write more, it should be increasing if your perspective is changing around that situation. So you always have to think about, again, those variables of about each of those four areas. Okay, so go back to analytical thinking. Think about your writing style. How was your perspective around that trauma and how did that trauma influence how you wrote? You think about clout. What did you write about? Are you very confident about your sport or, comf or not confident in your sport? Are you low in competency within that? When you think about authenticity or authentic, I ask about how transparent were you with your writing? Because if you were authentic, you'd be having high numbers. Now, it's strange to think about because as I told you guys before, I wasn't gonna read this. This is just a submission between you and me. But if you think about it, why not be authentic in a situation that no one will ever read? So knowing that now, it's a really interesting concept. If you had low authenticity on a situation, then that's gonna be more of realization for me to go, wow, they just didn't want to engage with that trauma or whatever it is to bring that up. So again, thinking about that transparency and how transparent, how authentic were you uh, as you go into that writing. Now that emotional tone, you know, thinking about where were you emotionally before you start writing. Okay, think about if we start doing this assignment this week, right? Think about your our emotional levels now in comparison to when we wrote this. What could be some other factors that could be influencing this, right? Uh, depending on if you had other exams, other things going on in life, you know, outside of this, um, to impact or influence, you know, your actual mood or emotional tone. Now, lastly, there's this other area of drives. There's these dimensions that capture these needs, these motives, these drives of what you're doing. Now, in drives, there's five different sections or categories and within these, uh, how it's gonna affect. So there are these five, one being affiliation, two being achievement, power, reward focus, and risk focus. The affiliation is gonna look at dimensions of how you're referencing others. So if you're talking about a story of uh, referencing a teammate or a coach, then that affiliation will be high. If you're having achievement, talking a lot about success or failure or achievement, striving, trying to accomplish goals, that achievement drive is gonna be pretty high. Now power is gonna, of course, refer to one's status, being dominant or social hierarchical systems. So if your power is high, it's gonna probably be talking a lot about that. Now your reward focus is gonna be looking at positive goals, approach, incentives, and then your risk focus is gonna talk a lot about dangers and concerns and things to avoid. Now, all of these things uh, are, are gonna be within your results area. And the handout that I provide to you guys will also uh, provide a lot of the descriptions and examples of what those are. Now, what you wanna be thinking about is in Luke with the actual application software, because it is only quantitative, there are gonna be a lot of complications or inconsistencies in the data from your journal entries, right? If you didn't, um, set yourself up well by 
you know, having, not having the same experience every night, right? If you didn't put yourself in the, in your room around the same time, we can't, um, you know, quite every day was the same, you know, each of your guys' class schedules are different each day. So there's going to be a little bit of differences in your journal responses each day. There's also going to be, um, again, if we, if we did this, uh, actual journal entries this week and you wrote, right, it's going to be a little different, but we're looking at purely quantitative. And as we dive in, you know, two weeks from now on the qualitative side, you're gonna write a little bit few descriptors of your experience. And that type of content is gonna provide the context to what Luke doesn't understand. Luke only understands word relationships to dictionaries. It doesn't understand how you felt going into your journal writing. It doesn't understand how you felt during your journal writing or how you felt in rumination after you wrote in your journal. So those are all areas that we're gonna explore later on to talk about your experience and actual journal writing and reliving that experience, okay? So I hope you guys had a great time with that. If you guys have any questions regarding your Luke results um, in that Excel file that I'm gonna send you, please let me know um, and we can go through that together, okay? I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on Moodle in the classroom. Have a great day.